Welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're listening to Miller Thomas, the always wonderful host of this podcast. Just graduated from college about a month ago now. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. Excuse me. All there on there, you can check out all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, as always, we are talking about the Diamondbacks. And what I want to talk about today on today's show is some storylines to follow, slash questions that need to be answered about this D-backs team. They want to make a real run at the postseason, uh, a run that's more than just a wild card berth, maybe a run that's even going all the way to the World Series. So we'll get into that today. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rate to the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, let's jump right into it. These are the storylines slash questions to follow for the D-backs or that need to be addressed. So, number one, how dangerous is the Marte Parte? For those of you who don't know, the Marte Parte is just the moniker given to the lethal combination of Starling Marte and Keta Marte. And yes, or no, they're not related, depending on if you have that question. Starling Marte was acquired back in January by the D-backs. He's a multi, multi-time multi gold glove winner and MLB All-Star. Starling Marte is a toolsy player. He can steal bases, hit for power, play solid defense, hit for average. There's really nothing he can't do on the diamond. Starling Marte provides that top of the order, uh, you know, star power that you need. I, I wouldn't even necessarily consider him probably a star, but he's been an all-star. And at the top of the lineup, he's a pretty formidable formidable player. As I said, he can do pretty much everything. He's a toolsy kind of player. And you mix in the other half of this Marte Parte with Keto Marte, and you got a superstar combination now. Keto Marte only has that one year of superstardom under his belt, but he surely showed a lot in 2019. Showed us that he can be the best offensive player on a competitive baseball team. Marte's insane slash line of 329, 389, and 592 helped him earn the fourth most votes of any MVP candidate last year. In the NL, of course. And if you don't know what that slash line is, 329 is the batting average. 389 is the slugging, or 389 is the OBP, and then the 592 is the slugging. So, Kito Marte's slash shine was ridiculous last year. It's the reason why he got so many MVP votes. When you just take that duo of the Marte Parte, you're getting a lot of good things. Starling Marte providing more of the defense, more of the all around, you know, 2020 kind of guy, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Uh, gold glove caliber defense, and then Ketel Marte, just that raw MVP kind of caliber player, you know, high batting average, a lot of pop, you know, doubles, triples, and just can get on base whenever he really needs to and make some havoc. Now, the 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 real question, as I said, is how dangerous is Marte Parte do? They, I, I don't have a question as to whether both of them will be good players in 2020. The question is, 
how good of a duo are they compared to the other duos in the NL West? How much, how can their talent overcome the other talent of some of the duos we've seen this NL West? Because I'll run through a couple real quick. The Dodgers have the reigning AL and NL MVPs in Mookie and Cody Bellinger. So can the Marte Parte be better than the reigning MVPs? That's a really tough ass to get. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. Uh, I think they could be better than that. Tatis Jr. showed a lot last year, and he was really good. Machado's a guy who's been a little overrated, possibly. I mean, he got that big contract. Didn't really hit for a lot of power, a lot of average, but had a high power. He he had a low average, but hit for a, 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 a lot of home runs, I would say. I don't know why I'm struggling to say that. And then you got the Rockies with Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. They're... they're, they're Nolan Arenado is the guy who's been top eight in MVP voting, I think, the last six years. And then Trevor Story is a guy who, since he's broke into the league, has been one of the best power-hitting shortstops in baseball. So that's a lot of talent to overcome in the NOS. And how this Marte Parte plays at the top of the lineup will determine a lot for this D-backs team. It, they, they're going to need to establish themselves as one of the best duos in baseball because, as we see, it's tough for them to be one of the best duos in the NL West right now. So if those two guys can play like near all-star, can play like all-stars and actually play like potential MVP candidates, then this D-backs team will be going far in this D- uh, well, this D-backs team will be going far in this MLB season. Now, the second question I have is who will step up after Madison Bumgarner? I think we all kind of know what Bumgarner is. Even if you think last season was the worst season of his career, you still more or less know what we should expect from uh, Bumgarner. Still going to expect the ERA in the threes if he's healthy. Uh, obviously, it's only 60 you know, games that we're playing. But if this was a full season, you'll probably still expect you know, near 180 plus innings pitch. So I don't think what we expect from Bumgarner is going to be too different. Still high strikeout guys. So I still expect all that. I still expect him to live up to the billing of a number one starter. But how about the rest of the rotation? Oh, Robbie Ray, will he ever re- revert back to the 2017 form? Or is that just an outlier year? That's a real question mark. He showed that the strikeout numbers wasn't a fluke. He's been a strikeout artist every year. But just look at his ERA. It was in the twos in 2017, then in the high threes, and then the low fours this past season. So I don't know if Robbie Ray can ever get back to that 2017 form, but it's a real question to have. And if he can, then that will mean a lot. The D-backs are starving for that number two starter, and he can be the perfect complement as another strikeout artist. You can have two guys be, you know, near in the full season, of course, be over 200 200 strikeout kind of pitchers, and I think that's a, a dangerous duo to have at the top of your rotation. And then will the arm issues return for Luke Weaver? Will he ever be able to make it out through a full season unscathed? Last season, you know, Luke Weaver, he missed a couple months because of forearm issues. He underwent MRI, just showed a strain of the UCL, I think, but they decided to not go for surgery. He didn't see James Andrews, who... We know it's the doctor that does all kinds of Tommy John and arm issue uh, surgeries, but he didn't see him. And was able to make a you know a full recovery, returned at the end of the season, uh, pitched a couple games in September. So that's a good sign for Luke Weaver. But because uh, I don't think the 60 games will be a detriment to Luke Weaver, but does he try to throw his arm out even more now that there's less games? He doesn't have that 
in his back of mind, I have to be fresh for the playoffs. I have to be fresh for this full grind. Maybe he says in 60 games, I could go out and pitch even harder. Maybe that's a detriment to his arm. We'll see. Does Tori Lovello try to, you know, add a platoon him a little bit more? Maybe throw in a more of a sixth guy in this rotation to keep Luke Weaver fresh? We'll see. I'm not entirely sure what Tori Lovello has planned, but if Luke Weaver could be uh, a guy who builds on that potential in 2019 and is fully healthy throughout the whole season 2020, I think that'll be a big boost to this rotation. And then talking about building on their potential and flashes that we saw in 2019, the same can be said for Zach Allen and Alex Young. Zach Allen is a guy whose ERA was around 289 last year, both with the Marlins and D-backs. He had a sub-3 ERA. And then Alex Young played with the D-backs the whole season, and his ERA was also around a 3-5. So both of those guys had low ERAs, and both of them made less than 15 starts. But when they did start, they showed a lot. They showed that they could be, you know, valuable guys. They showed that they even had a potential of a two or three starter. So if you're telling me I got Bumgarner as my number one, Robbie Reagan, close back to that 2017 form, Luke Weaver, a, a full season of being healthy, and then Zach Gallon and Alex Young building on the flashes we saw in 2019. This D-backs rotation could be filthy. It could be one of the best ones we've seen in years. Maybe the best one we've seen since 2017 because I think that 2017 rotation is a little bit underrated. But if this rotation could build on the flashes we saw with their potential from 2017 and in 2019 and actually stay healthy through the course of a full season, then this rotation is going to be nasty. Maybe even better than the 2017 one. And I think it could be... It could bring great balance to this D-backs team so they won't just have to rely on that Marte Parte. Now stay right there because we'll have more talk and I'll get into the rest of the questions and storylines that the D-backs will need to follow and get answered before the start of the 2020 season. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Postmates because if you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without leaving the house or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, they created non-contact deliveries. So when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Listen up. You guys need to be supporting your neighborhood spots right now. I've only been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community. Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier by picking up everything I need from Walgreens and 7-Eleven, dropping it off outside my door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Alright, alright, let's get back to the storylines to file for the D-back slash questions that need to be answered. The next one, 
Who is the D-backs closer? This is a big question I have. I think the obvious answer here is Archie Bradley. He put very well in that spot post-All-Star break last year. He converted 18 of his 19 save opportunities for a 171 ERA. So he was absolutely lights out. The only problem is how horrendous he was in May and June last year. He posted a 7.3 ERA in May and a 6.59 ERA in June over 23 appearances. So how do we know the Archie before the All-Star break is not the real Archie? How do we know that the Archie post-All-Star break is the one that is the real Archie, the one who was the closer, the one who was dominant shut down? How do we know that's the real guy, not the guy who struggled for two months of the season where he could barely get guys out uh, with runners in scoring position? He should have the first crack at the closing role in 2020, but there are other guys who should be given a shot as well. Kevin Ginkle is a guy who I think is a young stud with a fiery fastball. Still only 25 years old, Ginkle pitched in 24.1 innings last year to the tune of a 1.48 ERA. He became one of Toy Lovello's go-to high-leverage relievers and even turned into the setup man for Bradley by the, en- by the end of the season. If Ginkle can continue his trajectory, he might be next in line to take over the closer position this year if Bradley struggles or gets hurt, or maybe even next season because Bradley, at the end of the year, will be a free agent. So if he walks in free agency, this could be a time where uh, Ginkle can audition a little bit to be the closer in 2021. And he did audition a little bit in 2019 and showed us uh, he had the makeup to be. That's why Toy Lovello, you know, put him in that spot to be the setup man. They put him in high leverage situation. They It seems like they're actually grooming Ginkle to be the closer because of how young he is. And he has that fastball set that sits in the mid-90s, which is perfect for the closer. So I think he could be a, a real guy that could be sneaky uh, in that that could be sneaky and jockeying for that uh, closer position because I don't think enough people are talking about Kevin Ginkle. And then the one other guy who I think could be the closer is the guy on the D-backs uh, roster who has the most closing experience, and that is the newly acquired Hector Rondon. Rondon broke into the league as a closer with the Chicago Cubs. From 2014 to 2016, he amassed 77 saves while posting a 2-4-2 ERA in the process. Since playing for the Houston Astros the last couple seasons, Rondon has transitioned from a closer to more of a high-leverage pitcher, great for tough jams in the 7th and 8th innings. If Bradley falters and if and if Tori Lovello doesn't trust Ginkle to close, then maybe he turns to Rondon to get it done. He's a guy that his ERA has been solid when he has been a closer in the past. Now he has, you know, been he hasn't been closing as much the last three years. He only has 15 saves since 2017, so it'll be a little bit of an adjustment for him to get back to it. Maybe he's a little bit rusty. I do think it's a difference between, let's say, the seventh or eighth inning from the ninth inning. I do think that's a big difference, but he has the experience. He's done it before, and you know, if Toy Lovello wants to keep Gingle in that setup role, and he thinks Archie Bradley's not getting it cut. As a closer, that maybe puts Hector Rondon in there, and that you know is kind of a bandage or a glue for the season because he has the experience and he showed us from you know the past from his career that he can do it, and I think he could possibly do it again in 2020. Who should be the D backs 
DH. This is my last question for 2020. I think it's a big one. There's a few hot names, I think, have a real uh, chance of making it. The first one is Jake Lamb. Jake Lamb made one all-star appearance in 2017, but has only played 134 combined games since. Shoulder injuries have really hampered this guy, but in 27, in t- from 2016 and 2017, he swatted 61 bombs in those two seasons, so we know he has the power. We know he's good enough to even be an all-star if he's playing almost every day, so I don't see why Jake Lamb couldn't be uh, a DH. We know he could platoon a little bit, probably the corner spots, two in the infield, definitely third base. That's where he normally played, and I think maybe he gets a few looks at first base too, so if you, you know platoon him a little in the corner infield spots and make him almost your everyday DH. I think you could get a guy who probably won't hit for a high average, maybe 250, 260, but a guy who could potentially hit you 30 bombs. I think that could be, be big in the middle of the rotation. And then one other guy who I think should be given a real look at uh, the possible DH spot is Kevin Cron. This is the minor league home run, uh, the minor league home run king, and he should have a real claim to be the D backs DH twenty twenty. He's standing at six foot five and weighing nearly as much as LeBron James. Just think about that. He obliterated minor league pitching in twenty nineteen. He swatted a ridiculous thirty nine home runs with a three twenty nine bat, three twenty nine batting average in only eighty four games. So just think about that. If he played a full season, then maybe, you know, he he breaks that Barry Bonds record in the minor leagues if they played 162 games. And his walk rate also hit a career high of 16.2% in 2019. So not only did he hit for a high average, he swatted a lot of bonds, but he wasn't striking out, which was nice. He was getting on base a little bit more. And we actually see steady improvement in his game. So I don't see why he shouldn't be a guy that gets a look as well for this DH position as a guy who can hit for average and pop and is working on getting on base at a better rate. I think he should have a a shot to make it. And he's still young. He's still in his uh, mid-20s. So this is a guy who is not over the hill just yet. He's been in the minor league system for a while. But with this expanded, you know, rosters with having the universal DH, I think this is the perfect time to play around. And I think having Jake Lamb or Kevin Cron as your DH could be a big boost in the middle of the order and possibly provide another 30 home runs to this D-back squad. That's it for this edition of a Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in for this edition of the podcast. Don't forget to tune back in on Friday for more D-backs talk. Uh, everyone, go tell your Alexa device to play the newest edition of the Lockdown Fantasy MLB podcast so you guys stay up to date with news, rankings, and updates and everything pertaining to fantasy baseball. I hope everyone is staying healthy and staying safe. Peace!